Welcome back to Living More of a Life, the podcast which aims to raise awareness of issues which stop us living more of a life. I'm your host, Jane Tarrant, and today I'm talking to Dr. Madlena Kanchev. Do you think that if you hadn't got cancer, you would have changed the way in which you lived? No, the answer is no. At age 59, we discuss her journey of setting up a business, going through grief and cancer, and what she has learned to change in her life to achieve what she sees as optimal health while still working full time. We all get warnings, but how many of us are listening to our bodies? I opened my dental office '91 in in a foreign country. I told you I moved to Germany. I had to learn the language. I have to go through all my recognition exams and so on. And November 91, I felt in my heart, I'm on the top of the world. Here is my dream becoming a reality, having my own dental practice at the age of 30 and celebrating my 30th birthday and the opening of the dental office. I really felt on the top of the world. And only just a couple of months after that, life knocked me in my knees. My first husband died. So here I am, and I have to deal with a four-year-old daughter. Dental office, swimming in debts, just opened. A mother-in-law who has lost her child as well, and so on. So even during this time, I did not take it really, and I'm saying this with love, I did not take it really seriously, the value of life. And the value of um, of well-being, the value of being healthy. So, after let's say six, seven months, I forgot all that and started running after the success, achieving the success as a as a dentist, as a brand new open dental practice, and so on. And a couple of years after that, I remember the beginning of the year '98. There was a sunny winter day. It was January. There was a reason to feel happy and to enjoy life and so on. But somehow in my life, there were only two colors, gray and black. I felt in my heart with every cell of my body that something is off. I I could not say what that was, but something was definitely off. So I got ill. I could not recover from a flu for six, seven weeks. And you don't think I I stayed at home even for a day. I went to the dental office day in, day out. Until I went to my gynecologist, actually bringing my own daughter, who has had her first um, monthly menstruation at the age of 10 and a half, which, of course, worried me as a mother a little bit. So I found time to bring her to the to the gynecologist and after he ensured me that everything is fine and so on with her he said what about you and through this examination which was by chance I did not intend to go for the purposes of checking my body he discovered that there are cancer cells in my uterus and this journey of dealing I call it cancer journey started for me gosh so how old were you at this point? 37. And, you, and your daughter was 10 and a half? Yes, you're right. And my son was four. 
And this is when you found out that you had you were a single mum. At this point, I was I was married with my second husband. Okay. And I'm gonna say something with respect toward him. Um, this cancer journey was for him all emotionally so overwhelming that as he was coming to visit me at the hospital, I didn't know who is comforting whom. And I'm saying this with love and respect, just for the purpose of truth. Absolutely. And so you were then 37. And you had found that you had what was trying to be a successful business, two children, and you suddenly found out you had cancer. Exactly. And what did that do for you? What did that make you realize or see? Well, that made me realize that the most important thing we have is our health and our life. Because all of a sudden, everything else was no more important. I found myself in a in a bed at the hospital after seven hours of of uh, surgery, a very successful one, and I'm very grateful for that today and certainly my whole life. But all of a sudden, I found myself caught in a bed for a couple of days. I couldn't even get out of bed. I remember I had a goal on the fourth or fifth day after the surgery. I'm going to make it from my bed to the window. And these are, let's say, 10 steps I have to succeed today. And this was for me the journey around the world because every step was achievement. Every step was achievement, was a success. Wow. So, Things which we take for granted every single day, right? So how long were you in hospital when you had the operation? I was at the hospital for nine days. And... The surgeon who did the um, operation, he told me, you have to stay at home for six weeks. But you had a you had a dental practice to run. I had a dental practice and my second husband was a dental technician at, at this practice. So everything was depending on, on me. I remember I went out on a Friday. I stayed at home for Saturday. And on Sunday, I asked my husband back then to bring me with a car to the hospital and I had a, um, a feature to help me to walk. I couldn't walk. I was too weak for that. And I remember he stopped the car in front of the dental practice. And as I saw the practice, my tears are coming out. Something gave me the power to throw out this feature and just normally to walk out of the car. I cannot explain you what that was, but I had the power to get on my feet. When you saw the dental practice? As I saw the dental practice. Wow. So despite the recommendation of the surgeon, I went the very next day to the dental office. And that was my decision. Stayed there for an hour in the morning, recovered a little bit, worked for an hour in the afternoon. The day after that, I increased the number of the hours, two hours. And after a week, I was on my feet 100%. Okay. And were you then recovering fully? I never had to deal with this cancer disease anymore. What have you? What did you change in your life from that point? What I changed in my life is setting up the priorities. What is priority number one? And we women were raised in direction that everyone and everything is priorities in our lives, but not we. If I take care of myself, I am selfish, so I changed that. And taking care of myself, I call it practicing self-love and self-care, 
is priority number one for me because only from an overflowing cup of energy, of self-love and self-care, I'm in a position to take care of the others. And so what did you start doing when you were coming out of that hospital and you knew you need to start looking at yourself? Obviously, you wanted to get back to work and that filled you with energy. But what was it that allowed you to do that more? Well, the first thing which I learned uh, was to say no. That's a good one. To say no to things which didn't feel right to me. To say no to... Because you can imagine, I was perfectionist. No one could do the things as good as I did, which is absolutely not true. Even if a person does accomplish a task to 80%, you still have to do only the 20%, not the 100%, right? On, yes. And even if you step back from this being perfect and you're satisfied with the 80%, and at the same time you create the environment for this person to unfold, then at the end of, um, of the day, I had three dental assistants. Two of them were apprentices, and one was accomplished dental uh, assistant. So through creating this environment for them to, to, to grow, I was joking uh, that I was working not with dental assistants, but with dentists because, of course, a little bit exaggerated because they did great job. I just allowed themselves to make their own mistakes by doing the work. And of course, freeing myself, allowing others to be not perfect and allowing myself to be not perfect and created uh, and creating a powerful team. Because do you think that one of the things that many of us struggle with, I know especially a lot of the mums that I come across have this issue, and I know that many other people do as well, but we often try to do everything ourselves. and We often feel that we have to prioritize everything and we feel run ragged by whether it's work, family, um, friends, um, making sure that uh, birthday party gifts are bought or whatever it is that that we sort of have to get done we feel that we have to do it all ourselves and we struggle to delegate um, often we have very supportive partners that would do things but we don't actually allow them to uh, or we get frustrated if they're not done quite the same way we would do them uh, and therefore we hold on to a lot more than we need to that is until we're incapable of doing so um, and at that point, I guess it's a, a bit of a realization. That's 100% true. So many men will do more in the household and in being a part of upbringing a child and so on. But it has to happen our way, really. Sometimes men have their way of doing things, their way of being flexible and creative. And they can teach us beautiful lessons, especially in, in how they treat children. I'm observing my son-in-law, how he treats our, uh, my grandson, Tommy, he's two, and, uh, two years and four months. And I'm always amazed how beautifully he plays with him in a different manner, yes. but not better, not worse than we do, just um, complimenting each other. So why does that have to happen my way? It doesn't have to be. I guess sometimes we feel we have to trust in the way in which we do things thinking that it's right because that give us gives us the confidence to to carry on whereas 
to accept that there's another way can be quite a hard lesson. And there's a tendency there. We are trying subconsciously to control everything. It has to happen in this particular way. And we live in a time where creativity and flexibility are so, so beautiful tools to use. But we don't always use them. Well, <laughs> we can allow ourselves one small step at a time. Absolutely. What worked last year doesn't have to work this year. And I was reading today um, an article and a lady said the most inappropriate thing you could, you could buy was the planner for 2020, right? So everything what we have planned so far failed. So what? Are we alive? Are we happy? It's up to us to see what's going on in the world right now as a challenge and start complaining about that or as an opportunity to master it and to grow. It's our decision. I wanted to go back to um, to the time that you got sick at 37. What kind of warnings did your body give you that you maybe now recognize but the time didn't take the time to think about before you actually got cancerous cells? The signs were I was chronically tired. I couldn't get enough sleep. I was talking to a friend of mine today. There is so-called manager um, disease, which means every Friday, as soon as I was ready with uh, my dental work, I will get terribly tired. I'll spend the whole weekend mostly recovering and sleeping. But on Monday in the morning, I was 100% fit to go to work. Right. And my body was telling me something is off. Why do you have at the age of 37 to sleep that long to feel chronically tired? What is wrong with you? And did you think about that at the time? Or did you not really actually take the time to be aware of it? I didn't take the time. I was just looking forward for the next Friday to come. Because you knew you needed the rest, but it became your normal? Yep. And could you remember a time when that wasn't the case? As far as I remember, because it is more than 20 years ago, for the for the complete year before the cancer was diagnosed, it was every weekend. Interesting. And what about your gut health or your skin health? Did you feel any other uh, signs or was it literally the tiredness? It was the tiredness and uh, problems with my digestion because I didn't have, I didn't take the time. You always have the time. You just don't take the time to have a regular um, uh, meals, right? To have a a good breakfast and to have um, a lunch and so on. Everything was was done in in the process of running between accomplishing two tasks you ate something. So you're very much on the move. You didn't take time to actually sit and eat and digest. Exactly. Interesting. And and did you have a a good range of diet? Did you eat a a lot of vegetables and a lot of leafy greens and, uh, you know, a a range of grains and pulses? Or were you very restricted um, to sort of faster foods? I I didn't um, pay attention to all this healthy food. I definitely did not. So it was more about convenience. Yes. And do you find now that you're more aware of what you eat and how much of a range you eat? I make uh, meals for myself a sacred ritual. I pay attention what I eat, when I eat it, how regularly I eat it and take my time for every meal. And what kind of 
feeling do you get when you actually take that time? This for me, practicing self-love and self-care. So self-love and self-care can be through something we need to do anyway. We need to nourish ourselves. We need to give ourselves energy. But you're saying that the way in which you do it can be how you can start to show yourself self-care. Yes, in making it a sacred ritual for yourself. And when you are in a family for the whole family. For example, eating all together and making a a focused mealtime of it without distraction. Without distractions is, is the key word. I don't feel in my heart. There is no judgment here toward anyone. I don't feel in my heart that a meal is a sacred ritual when everyone is sitting at the table and looking at his or her cell phone. I don't feel in my heart that this is a shared time together. I'd agree with that. Yeah, this is something that we try to have as much as possible in uh, various family homes of mine, um, where when we're at the table, we're at the table. And, and, And looking into the eyes of the people, listening to them, paying attention to them, showing them you're important to me. Not not the last news on Instagram. They are also important, but they can wait for the next 30 minutes after the meal is finished. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. And what other self-care practices do you now do that you didn't make the time for before? The self-care practices which I practice uh, now is meditation. And this is not only this classical meditation where you sit down and in a lotus seat and so on. I love doing uh, the so-called living meditation. I go for a walk and I find myself in meditative state. Okay, so you you don't um, follow the kind of the image that people everybody thinks is meditation, although you can still do that same concept whilst lying down or anything else. You'll actually do it whilst you're being active. I try both of them and I find myself more enjoying this living meditation. Okay. Where I connect with the beauty of the nature and this brings me into this state of peace and calmness, which meditation is about. I think the connection with nature is actually a very important one. I have a few people that I am starting to get to know at the moment who are much more into nature than I am. Um, Although I love my garden, I love going for walks. They are really, really focused on it. And I found that they are profoundly connected to their own bodies uh, because they're so much more aware of their environment. And nature gives us uh, this ability to ground ourselves. I remember you told me that you had this this desire to work in the garden without gloves. And what I also enjoy is without even shoes, just feeling the soil. Can I just check? You meant, you meant without gloves, yes? Not without yes, clothes? Yes. <laughs> it sounded without, like without clothes. Without shoes. <laughs> to be honest, without clothes would also be great, you know, if I wasn't overlooked. Yeah, well, uh, this is, uh, it depends on your neighbors, but just being barefooted and uh, with no gloves, this is a beautiful way to connect with the, with the earth, with the soil and feel a part of it and ground yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I did have a day the other day where I was working in the morning and uh, I was constantly on the phone or on my laptop and I was I was so focused on getting something done that I really wanted to, but I suddenly at lunchtime felt that I just needed to be out in nature. And because I'm 
trying to listen so much more maybe I'm noticing it more whereas in the past I didn't take the time to see if I could see what my body was showing me and uh, so I, I took my lunch out and I sat outside just for 10 minutes and just had a, a sort of sit down there without a mobile phone or anything just out in the garden and it felt good but it wasn't enough and when I went back inside to put the lunch away I thought no I can't go back to work I need to go and actually I need to go and put my hands in the earth and that's what I did and I spent the next couple of hours doing that and one it was very enjoyable just just being out there but two it, I did feel like I had finally grounded myself and I, I needed to do that in order to fully relax and take away the excitement and I say an element of stress you know when you're when you're utilizing social media or things online you're getting all these strange sort of emotions and feelings maybe if you're getting um the sort of highs of, of seeing stuff come up on social media and you kind of need to be able to step back from that and I found that actually going into the garden and connecting with the earth in a way that I was always feel if I heard someone talking about it before I might have been like yeah 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 like you know you maybe gloss over it thinking it's a little bit strange but actually it was so interesting to have that feeling myself where it, it was so overpowering that I couldn't actually not do it and I knew if I tried to do anything else including going for a lie down on the bed it just wouldn't have cut it. Excellent that you can listen to your body at this beautiful young age. Congratulations, Jane. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, think I'm, I'm, I think it's still I'm learning, really though, isn't it? I don't think we're taught to do that. I don't think that it's a norm in our childhood. You know, we're we're taught to to obey the rules and to do what society expects in order to fit in. And we're taught to play and things, but then you can play as long as it's allowed you know as long as it's play time um and you can rest as long as it's rest time you know even at nursery they have naps during the day and they have sleep at night you know it's not encouraged to do things at different times they have a routine and I think we take that through and I think it's almost bred out of us to to do what our body needs you know as a child if they need to eat or sleep you know you, you'll, you'll pretty much know about it <laughs> um or if they need anything else or they want to do anything else you'll know about it and that's when you get these sort of uh tantrums or, or faces or certain noises but as we get older we we mute those because it's not it's not acceptable um to act in that way and i think but we i think we mute it to ourselves as well we don't even realize we're living by what we might call rules we we it just becomes a norm and we don't even question the way we do things. Somebody said to me the other day about uh, they weren't sure they had a couple of minutes to do uh, an element of self-care that they wanted to do. And um, and that it, it felt strange to, to in, introduce a routine. And I asked them, do they find time to do their teeth every day in morning and evening? And they said, yes, of course. And I, and I asked them, well, why do you do your teeth? And they sort of looked at me a bit strangely and it was, a, it was a realization that, well, I mean, I do my teeth because I've been told to, because it's good for my health. And then, and then it sort of clicked in their mind that, ah, okay, but I've also been doing my teeth since I was a small child and we wouldn't ever dream of not doing our teeth. Even if we don't do them on time, we still do them when we get to the office or, you know, we might do them later in the day if we, if we had to run out of the house without doing it. And I think that's a, a really interesting point that we make time to do our teeth every day, twice a day. And yet the concept of taking two minutes of meditation or anything else, we don't even think it's possible, but because it's not part of our routine. 
because we haven't realized as a society what is the real benefit of meditation. We have a dentist, and I as a dentist can just confirm you, uh, to you that uh, cleaning your teeth, brushing your teeth, it's an excellent way to prevent diseases on your teeth and in your mouth. Congratulations again. But when we are open as a society that uh, to, to realize what a profound impact a meditation, just sitting down and calming down, slowing down can have on our well-being, not just today, not just in this moment, but long term, then it is going to become acceptable to go to a company, just to have an example, and have the rule, quotation mark, from 8 until 8.15 is a meditation time. So it becomes a preventative time. Yes, and we're getting there. Thank God we're getting there. Because only 20 years ago, as we started talking about meditation, people will roll their eyes. And I'm not judging anything by that. Yoga was not accepted, was not popular. And today we can talk about yoga, about meditation, and people are very open to this concept of this is beneficial to my well-being. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, even as I started to look into doing meditation, and I don't always do a classic type, as you say, it can be more of a um, a sort of an awareness whilst doing something else. I find that when you do talk about it, there is still an element of this sort of, oh, yeah, another one, another hippie something or another, uh, you know, do we really need to be all meditating? Can't we just get on with life? And yet the interesting thing is I've, I've heard of various people that are um, either athletes or millionaires that are really, you know, high up in the business sector or um, celebrities or whatever. And, and most of the interviews I've heard recently, they all do meditation. These are these are people that you might think wouldn't need it. You might think they haven't got the stress or they you think, well, you know, they're so focused on self-care in other ways. But actually, it's become quite an important part for a lot of people that maybe have had to find something in their lives to be able to cope with whatever it is that they're that they're dealing with. And I think um, if we're whether we're working or whether we have children or whether we're caring for someone, um, you know, we're all doing something. and there's always going to be an element of time that means that we need to take some time. And I think for me, I don't always meditate, but I, I do different elements of self-care and I'm trialing different ones so that I can find out what works for me and what makes a difference. But having that time to do that and taking taking the mo- a few moments to actually make the effort, I, I'm finding is being really beneficial, no matter whether I'm stressed or not. And it will it will show in in a vibrant health. Because I can tell you with a deep sense of gratitude how many years after I had to deal with cancer, it was 98, 22 years after that, I'm in a position to enjoy vibrant health. That's good. Very good. It's doable. And And yet most people would think you should be deteriorating by now. Well, if you haven't learned the lessons which cancer comes in life to teach us. I see cancer as one of my greatest teachers. As far as I'm open to this concept, as far as I'm open to to learn these lessons in my own speed. Do you think that if you hadn't got cancer, you would have changed the way in which you lived? No, the answer is no. What do you think you'd be doing now if you hadn't got cancer at 37? 
I would have probably gotten another disease because if we don't listen to the messages uh, which our body is communicating with us, we have a saying here in Germany, if you don't listen, you have to feel, then then you feel the pain of a forbid God, of a, of a disease on an on emotional level or and on a physical one. So this is, is, a, is a state of, of your body, of your mind, of your spirit, where you're not at ease. This is where this, this word comes from. You are at dis-ease. You are not at ease. And if I'm living my life and I'm not at ease most of the time, then, again, forbid God, at some point I have to face a dis-ease. And... Your children are now how old, approximately? 33 and 26. And have you seen them be more aware in the way that they live because of your story? Yes. The answer is yes. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It certainly gave me some food for thought. As part of what she does these days, Dr. Kanchev helps medical professionals to shift into a new way of doing medicine and create a practice they love inside and outside the office. You can find Dr. Madalena Kanchev on LinkedIn. If you'd like to contact me, please visit canidoitmyself.com or contact me via Instagram at incrementaljane. See you again next time. 